uh, let's see, where's my sheet? Peace as a weapon. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we glorify you and thank you so much for your goodness to us, Lord. Lord, we've come to hear you speak to us today. So Holy Spirit, we just yield all of ourselves to you. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us revelation in your word. And Lord, uh, we continue to just thank you for what you've done in Pastor Dave's life, Lord. How you've strengthened him and healed him and equipped him for running further, Lord God. Taking more mountains for your glory. We thank you for how you've just been good to this body, Lord, to keep us all. We ask, Lord, that you would, Lord, fill this place to overflowing with your spirit and with more family. Have your way, Lord, in the river. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. So the posture of peace is one of the most powerful weapons that we have for combating the enemy. And, you know, um, the Lord gave me a little dream for this message. He's been speaking to me in dreams a lot here lately. But uh, he showed me how oftentimes we don't think of peace as a weapon. And, but he kind of laid it out to me here, as you'll hear in this message, how peace is a powerful weapon. So I'm just going to share uh, some things that I've written down uh, with you today. So when Paul described God's power to crush Satan, he said in Romans chapter 16, verses 19 through 20, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So when we look at that passage, we see God is telling us he wants us to be wise about what is good. And what is good? God. Everything in God is good. Wise about his spirit. Wise about his kingdom. And so then he says he wants us to be innocent about what is evil, to forsake evil. And why is that so important? Oftentimes we get ourselves, you know, thinking more about what the enemy is doing than what God is doing. And he wants us to be innocent concerning evil. And why is that powerful? Because God himself has already given us the enemy under our feet, to crush the enemy under our feet already. We already have this posture of peace from the God who is peace. And so we're going to see how, because the God of peace lives inside of us, we can walk in that same posture of peace, overcoming, knowing that we don't need to be caught up with what the enemy is doing. We just, just need to look at what God is doing. That is Romans chapter 16, verses 19 through 20. Mm -hmm. So it is the God of peace who crushes Satan under your feet. And when we consider the weapons that God has given us, for spiritual battle, we are usually drawn to Paul's list of armor in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and we think of declaring God's word as the sword of the spirit. 
we think of the power of intercessory prayer to dispel darkness and how fasting can impact the spiritual realm. All of this is valid and necessary, but there is an unlikely spiritual weapon that we're going to highlight, which is peace. Paul says that part of our weaponry, weaponry is having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace in Ephesians 6 and 15. So how can peace be a weapon? Isn't peace completely contrary to the whole idea of warfare? Romans 16 and 20 gives great insight into this paradox. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Think about that. The God of peace will crush Satan. The supernatural power of peace. Peace is named as a fruit of the spirit. And in other words, it's an attribute that the Holy Spirit produces in us. Now, Sometimes you'll hear people say, I'm praying that God will give me peace. But in actuality, you already have peace. It's a fruit of the spirit. You know, that's like saying an apple, which is to produce more apples, isn't already an apple. It doesn't have the seed of an apple in it. We embody the spirit of Christ, all of his fruits, and so therefore... We have all of his fruits. Peace is one of those fruits. And so therefore to say, I need peace, is to not live in your real identity that you have peace. You know? And that transformed my life. I don't know if you, if you all have ever thought of it that way. But when I started connecting to the fact that I don't have to chase after the fruits of the Spirit, Lord, please give me more gentleness. Lord, please give me more kindness. Lord, please give me more faith, you know, faithfulness. I said, Lord, wait a minute. All of those fruits and attributes are already in me, and so all I have to do is release the stream of living water that's inside of me that already is. And so um, we don't need to ask God when we're going through something Lord, give me more peace. You have all of the wellspring of peace already inside of you. One moment. I'm looking at my notes for a moment. All right. So the kind of peace that uh, we're going to speak about is not an external peace dependent on our circumstances, but it's an internal peace in our hearts and minds. The peace of God is actually said to be a guard over our hearts and minds. And that you can find that in Philippians 4 and 7. Since spiritual battles often begin in the mind, the peace of God serves as a divine protection. Okay? So peace is really vital. It's a vital quality when we're ministering deliverance, when we're receiving uh, that which God has already given us, the deliverance from anything that we're going through. And sometimes, you know, demons, when you're going, walking through deliverance and spiritual warfare, demons will attempt, and, uh, attempt to intimidate you. They'll attempt to confuse you. They'll attempt to distract you. However, when you remain in the posture of peace, that's an indication of the faith that you have. You know, 
remaining in peace says, I have faith in God that I am already delivered. When we remain in peace, it's letting the powers of darkness know that I am resting in the authority and victory of Jesus Christ. So to say that you're afraid to not just live, that, live out that peace shows the enemy that you're in fear. And so therefore, the enemy it gives him permission to, you know, do whatever, intimidate you, put on all of these shows and so forth, because as long as he knows that you're paying attention to what he's doing, he's going to put on a big old show and try to terrify you. So walking in that peace is like saying, I have faith that I already have the victory. Okay? So Jesus, he demonstrated for us that for us in, uh, he gave that to us in Philippians 1 and 28. And the Lord gave me this scripture a few years ago, that very principle that I just shared with you. I saved it on my phone. Let's see. All right. This is going to blow your mind if you haven't gotten this juicy morsel already. <laughs> so, in Philippians 1 and 28, actually, it says, Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. Did you hear what I just said? That when you walk in the posture of peace, when you are not intimidated or frightened in any way by your enemies, this is going to be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are saved and that by God. And so what I do, thank you, Jesus is I just say, Lord, I thank you for your peace. Lord, I thank you that my identity is that you as the Prince of Peace are reigning over me. I'm under your pavilion. I'm sheltered under your wings. And all of these missiles can be going off. Boom, <laughs> You know, all kinds of things, whatever you're walking through, symptoms or whatever, but you can go right to this living word that I refuse to be intimidated because it's going to be a sign to my enemy that he is destroyed and that I am victorious. Thank you, Jesus. And so that's the posture of peace that I have determined that I will live in because I'm showing my enemy, look, I'm not afraid of you. My God is greater. My God is bigger. My God has delivered me. My God has crushed you under my feet, Satan. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So Jesus, he demonstrated the supernatural power of peace when he slept through the storm. He did it. He demonstrated it while riding in the boat with his disciples. The 12 disciples were in a state of panic as the wind and the waves rocked the boat. But Jesus, however, the Prince of Peace, was sound at sleep, totally at peace. When the frantic disciples woke Jesus up, he used his authority. 
And he rebuked the winds and the waves, calming the storm. And so then in Mark, I'm going to read the passage, Mark 439, 439. Then when he arose, he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now, I, I stated that again, the passage itself, because I wanted to demonstrate that our God, he lives in us. And so many times when, you know, stuff is going on, we don't take his example and say, peace be still. Right now, in Jesus' name, I take authority over the atmosphere, and I command, peace be still. Every storm around me, you will be calm in Jesus' name. So the peace of God inside of Jesus became the peace of God outside of him. What was in him was revealed around him. Do you know that there are times, I've experienced this in my life, where there's all this chaos going on, and, you know, I walk around and I have peace. And when I walk into a circumstance, I know you all experience this too, people say, I'm so glad you showed up. Because all of a sudden, peace has come. Hallelujah. The peace of God in me, it's already inside of me, and now I'm the atmosphere within me is taking authority over the atmosphere around me. Hallelujah. And so the spirit of God in me is declaring peace be still. The spirit of God within me has arrived. The glory of God within me is being released. I believe that. I believe that God intends for us when we walk into an atmosphere that is chaotic, that the spirit of God within us commands that the atmosphere around us subjects itself to the spirit of God. So peace, it doesn't mean the absence of conflict, does it? Mm -mm. But we can have calm, we can have peace in the midst of conflict. When we walk in peace in the midst of the battle, we can rest in the victory of Christ and take authority over the enemy. And so now I'm in your sheets where it says, vulnerable times when the enemy attacks. There are times when the enemy comes to steal and destroy your peace, and here are some of the times that can be identified. Number one, when you're tired. You know, have you ever noticed that, that when you're tired, sometimes you can get into a state of mind where you're like, wowsy, wowsy, woo-woo, I'm so tired. They want me to go to church again. Oh, man. <laughs> So in those times, the enemy comes and he tries to do things like make you be unthankful for the strength that you're usually thankful for, make you be unthankful for the health that you enjoy, you know. So we have to guard in those times when we're tired. It says here, even the youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall feel exhausted. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. Waiting on God renews our strength and displays God's wisdom. For there is an empowerment in waiting and resting and relying upon God and not ourselves. Number two, when you're beginning a new spiritual journey. I notice that whenever there's something else revealed about what God is doing in my life, the enemy starts trying to make you, for one, doubt it by saying, are you sure that was really a word from God? <laughs> and 
And then I'll say, uh, yes. <laughs> yes, it was from God. And all I'm going to do is just take steps towards what he has said and watch him display his glory. Let him bring the provision. Let him bring the people and so forth. It's his church. It's his kingdom. It, they are his gifts. And he will make a way for what he has promised. Amen. All right. So when you're beginning a new journey, the devil will attack you uh, when you're beginning a new spiritual quest. The devil will attempt to sabotage and distract you in an effort to keep you from growing closer to God and expanding the mission of Christ. Do not let him defeat you. You know, that happened with Jesus in the desert, didn't it? He was out there for 40 days and 40 nights. He was embarking on a new journey and so forth, preparing to get ready to go to Calvary for us and so forth. And there the enemy came to attack him in that moment, to make him try to doubt his identity. Everything that he brought to Jesus was a questioning of Jesus's identity. And then number three, when you are agitated, the devil will attack you when you're going through a period of extreme frustration through circumstances. There are times when you're believing God to manifest things. You know, sometimes we know that God has told us something, but we get agitated and antsy and frustrated. And so the enemy wants to put you in a place of stinking thinking to start going, when are you going to do something? You said you were going to do something. I can't see you doing anything. <laughs> But we have to guard against that and remain in peace. And then he'll come when you're in pain. The devil will attempt to lure you to quick fixes when you're hurting in pain. He wants you to believe he has all the answers and not God. And who do we know that did that? Abraham and Sarah. Okay, God, you've been taking a long time. I'm going to try to help you out. <laughs> And then number five, when you're alone, the devil attacks us when we're alone because he knows we are most vulnerable when others aren't around us. He also thinks that this is when we're at our weakest point. Have you ever noticed when you're in pain, you, your mind is distracted with pain when you're around other people. And then as soon as you sit down by yourself, you're like, ow. <laughs> he comes and starts to attack you when you're alone. And so in those times, know that you're never alone. Jesus is with you. He's right there with you. So when he's coming and with that lying pain and symptom, you just tell him, I am not alone. I look like I'm alone, but I know I'm not. I got angels all around me on the left and on the right, 10,000 at my right hand. Devil, get away from me in Jesus' name. So the Bible tells us, that when Jesus went in the wilderness and he was alone, the enemy came to him, right? So he comes to us when we're alone and he came to Jesus when he was alone in the wilderness. <sighs> Sometimes we're surprised by stuff that right there in the word of God, Jesus went through the same thing. And we act like it's something that we should be surprised about. But Jesus went through it and he models how we're to walk through it, to remain in peace, remain on assignment, remain walking towards what our uh, assignment is. Could you imagine if Jesus were to be distracted by his assignment in the desert with the enemy, you know, combating him back and forth and so forth? He would have never gone to the cross for us. But Jesus 
always stayed because he is the anchor of peace. He stayed on assignment and we are to stay on assignment knowing that God's peace has already crushed the enemy under our feet. So your next sheet says peace as a weapon. Let's fill in our blanks here. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. John 14 and 27. God has left his peace with us. Here's an example of peace in turmoil. A perfect example comes to mind, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men determined from youth to settle into the perfect haven of peace with God without compromise. They experienced the peace of God. There they were in the fire, and they had already settled in their minds. Even if we don't get rescued out of here, we're not going to bat. We're not going to worship you, Nebuchadnezzar. We're not going to bow down to you. And so they remained in peace. And as they remained in peace, God, by his sovereignty, revealed a fourth man in the fire. And that's how it is for us. Even though it seems like we may be alone in turmoil, in a circumstance, God is with us. And so one of the things I wanted to bring out here is that in the fire, you know that their senses were engaged both spiritually and naturally. They could see the fire. They could smell the fire. I'm sure that they could sense the fire around them and so forth. But they didn't let the enemy torment them in their senses. They remained in peace. And so Isaiah 26 and 3, you will keep in perfect peace as your mind is fixed on Jesus. In circumstances, in trials, the way to remain in peace is to keep your heart and your mind, your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's key. The peace of God on display. The posture of peace unravels the enemy's power over any situation. No wonder our adversary attacks our peace, you know. And remember, I read for you Philippians 1 and 28. This is key, right? This right here explains that scripture, that our posture of peace unravels the enemy in every situation. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What do you need to guard your heart and your mind? You need the peace of God. You know, if you're wondering why you're always in turmoil and you're always running around acting like, you know, you don't have the answer, it's because you're not walking in peace. That's what keeps your heart and your mind peace. All right, so flip your page over. Sometimes, like a boat full of worried disciples, we cry out for help and the storms are hushed. And he, Jesus, awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Peace is a powerful weapon that you possess. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. And in every way, the Lord be with you 
be with all of you. Second Thessalonians 3 and 18. Lord, we pray this prayer right now that we would have a revelation, Lord, that you have given us peace at all times and in every way. There is no circumstance, Lord God, in which we don't have the ability to walk in peace. So we declare in the name of Jesus, Lord, renew our minds. Renew us, Lord, and let us have a mind, Lord Jesus, that would acknowledge that you're keeping our heart and our mind as our minds are stayed on you. In the name of Jesus, we will walk in peace. We will let peace govern us. We will allow, Lord Jesus, the river and the stream and the flow of your peace. Lord God, transform our eyes and our ears and our minds lord to see that you lord god have already crushed the enemy under our feet because you have shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace one of our weapons that you've told us lord and we have the fruit of your peace in jesus name amen